colleagues. I hear from Brian that uh, we do have a, a, a quorum. Uh, it means that we can start the meeting. Uh, let me welcome um, uh, the, the colleagues, um, members of the portfolio committee, uh, and then uh, the officials uh, from the Department of uh, Agriculture. And uh, I'm not too sure if I see SECDEF. I think this is SECDEF. Yes, I think, yes, yes, SECDEF. Welcome, SECDEF. <clears throat> and uh, I'm not too sure if I see people uh, up in the in the headquarters. Uh, but I will uh, get the list and, and acknowledge them uh, individually. And I also know that the, the minister will be joining us. And... Um, but I, I think uh, we safe for us to to start our meeting. The time now is uh, three minutes uh, past uh, past three. Um, uh, Brian, may you put the agenda on the on the screen, please? Brian. Okay. <clears throat> Colleagues, uh, the agenda for today uh, stands uh, as follows. Um, uh, let me just remove this. Yes, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's opening and welcome, which I've just done. Uh, and, and then two, the apologies that I will soon be calling for apologies. And then uh, three, the briefing on the DOD uh, HR plan, for the briefing on by the DOD on its rejuvenation plan and exit uh, mechanism, and and uh, five briefing by the DOD on the on their report on investigations into irregular irregular, fruitless and uh, wasteful uh, expenditure. And uh, the last item on the agenda, I think, is number six is consideration and adoption of the Department of Military Veterans budget vote uh, report. <clears throat> so, so those are the uh, items that will be uh, transacting on uh, this afternoon. I've also invited uh, uh, Dr. Vedem uh, Janse van Rensberg uh, to present on the document, the, the paper uh, he prepared for, for this meeting. I thought his paper uh, provides uh, a useful uh, background and uh, an insight into the matters that we have asked the department uh, to uh, brief us uh, on. So I will start with Yance uh, uh, van Ransberg so that we get that background. It traces matters back from the integration process mm. through a white paper process, through uh, the defense review of uh, uh, 1998, uh, right up to the defense review of uh, 20. 
that paints the policy uh, background, uh, as it were, that we must not lose sight of as we as we move forward. So that if there is any departure, departure from uh, policy, uh, we note the departure. We don't just sweep, sweep it under the carpet. Uh, we reflect on, on it uh, and, and agree that it's now a departure and uh, provide the reasons for the departure uh, and, and then uh, move uh, forward. I thought it's critical that we always touch base on a, a policy when we develop uh, any plan, because a plan uh, is never developed uh, in, 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 in a vacuum. Uh, it's developed uh, after the department has presented a policy that then informs its position uh, going forward. And then the plan is then developed to carry out a, a policy as, as it were. And I've looked at the plan, um, uh, at least the, the rejuvenation uh, uh, plan that the department presented. And uh, I thought probably we must give them more time uh, to, to look at the plan. But I, I, will, I, will, I, will, I will ask uh, the sector to talk to it. They've submitted a plan that uh, <clears throat> was uh, withdrawn and replaced with another plan uh, today. And, uh, but I then thought, so I, then, I then felt that we, we need to give them sufficient time to go through these documents and, 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 and then come back to us and, and, and present. But that doesn't stop us from having a discussion uh, today. Uh, I'm saying, Sekdef, in short, uh, I, I, I saw your, your rejuvenation uh, strategy. Uh, it looked to me as work in progress, but you will comment on it. And, and that uh, we need something very firm so that we can then tie you down to it. We can't tie you down on, on anything that is still soft and, uh, and waiting to, to be uh, firmed up, passed through all the channels right up to, to the minister. But I, I will call you a sector mm. to comment on it when it is a time to do so. Uh, uh, <clears throat> right now, let me just deal with the, the apologies for now. Uh, are there any, any apologies from uh, the committee side, Brian? Chair, I, I don't have any apology. I, I did have an apology from Mr. Shelembe, who was indicating that he is having trouble joining the meeting. But then I see that he's, he is in the meeting at the moment. So there are not any further apologies. Thank you so much. And uh, I also got an apology from Mr. Mutle that uh, he was running late. I'm not too sure if he has joined the meeting. Uh, uh, Mr. Mutle, are you have joined the meeting? Have you joined the meeting? All right, we'll record that uh, as late arrival apology, uh, Brian. No, thank you. Thank you so much. Right. Uh, uh, having uh, made those remarks, let me now ask uh, Willem to uh, uh, Dr. Janse van Rensberg to take us through the, the document so as to prepare us for, for the discussion uh, this, this afternoon. Uh, apologies, uh, Chairperson, if I may. 
Yes, yes, sorry, sorry, Sector. Uh, apologies from the department. Uh, um, I note you, um, I'm noting you, Sector. Yes, I think the minister was expected to join us later because she's still stuck in another meeting. But also on the agenda, we were saying that uh, uh, as we adopt the agenda, we just wanted to be noted uh, that we will not be presenting the investigations report now because that is still being uh, uh, compiled. We we felt it would be unsafe to present a, a report on investigation when we are still uh, uh, working on it. So we were, we were going to ask that we be given time to conclude uh, those investigations into regular expenditures and their reports coming through and that we present maybe uh, 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 next time. But also, uh, but also we were indicating that both the, the human resource rejuvenation and uh, SNDF rejuvenation we are going to present as one document today. Thank you very much, Chair. Okay, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. So, so we'll let you present uh, the two documents, uh, the HR plan and rejuvenation uh, plan as one document. Um, and, and then, but on the issue of your, the, the irregular and wasteful, uh, waste, waste, wasteful and, uh, and this expenditure, but the matter has been outstanding, Sector. Uh, 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 let's deal with it when we get to, to the item. Uh, for now, I note what you are saying. Let me ask um, uh, 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 Dr. Jansen van to take us through the document. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson, and uh, all the honorable members. I'm in the Minister Sector. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, I'll try and make it really quick so that there's sufficient time to actually engage with the department uh, on the matters. Um, so the background document that was sent to members uh, two days ago sorry. Uh, deals with... Sorry, Chair. Uh, yeah, we have a technical problem. The minister is trying to get in. She, she's, uh, she's in the meeting virtually, but she can't uh, seem to be able to get in. She's on the screen. I don't know whether the... The, the organizer of the meeting can try and accommodate the minister so that she can also make some remarks. Yes, uh, it's fine, uh, Secretary. I think they are listening to to that request, and they will be attending to it. And um, just before, okay. just, just before, yes, I hope as 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 she joined. Uh, let me just uh, recognize the presence of uh, Lieutenant uh, General Yam. The Chief of Staff, uh, Admiral Kupu, uh, Chief uh, Human Resources, uh, Brigadier General uh, Gardner, Director Military Strategy, uh, Brigadier General uh, Jacob Tulare, Director Military uh, Planning. And uh, those are the uh, members of uh, the minister's team, but they are in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, in Pretoria, I guess. Now over to you, Venom. Um, uh, Thank you, Chair. Um, I, hope, I hope the screen is shared on your side. Is it visible, the document on your side? Yes, it is. All right. Thank you, Chair. Um, just to do uh, to the document very quickly, um, I hope members had a chance to go through it themselves, but I'll go through it very quickly so that there's more time to engage with the department on this really, really important issue. Uh, the document, the aim of the document was to provide two things. Firstly, a background 
to the problem around um, human resource and organizational renewal in the SANDF uh, and linked to that, uh, obviously, the conundrum around compensation of employees. And secondly, um, the document also provided some focus on the, the key issues that's, that's come out uh, around what, what the actual problems are with human resources uh, structures and for rejuvenation in the Defence Force. Uh, just to start off with the table that you actually mentioned in the introduction, Chair, um, I try to provide members with this table uh, around human resources policy directives and progress uh, since 1994. This is not a comprehensive list. There were more developments, but uh, this the aim of this table is just to show that to, to make one point, which I'll, I'll make at the end, but to show you what has been the developments around uh, uh, um, human resources policies and directives since 1994. Around 1994, we had the integration period, uh, and there was a, a, a decision to, uh, an attempt rather, to shrink the size of the defense force because after integration, it was quite a, a large force. And um, what they had on the side of the integration process was a demobilization process. And a part of that um, sorry, sorry, process Ken. was to shrink. Yes. Sorry, okay. can our IT attend to the screen? Inko Sitabekulu says the screen is the screen is darker, and uh, he can only hear the voice. You you may continue, uh, Jan. Uh, uh, sorry. That was Inko uh, Thank you, Jack. So, so the uh, uh, the aim was in uh, 1994 to shrink the size of the defence force after integration because it was seen as too large a force uh, for a post-1994 democratic South Africa with uh, a very limited real military threats at the time. Um, the, the main policy directive that came uh, in terms of the, the human resources and organizational structure of the Defence Force was in the White Paper of Defence. And they made it clear that this will be an all-volunteer force and crucially here, the directive there was that it will comprise a relatively small regular force including civilian component, which is backed up by a sufficiently large part-time force. And this um, thinking was the thinking that drove um, HR planning in the initial years. This you will see is also then reflected in the 1998 Defence Review. The Defence Review stated there were three factors that influences a um, organizational structure of the SNDF. First is the level of defence required. So that looks at, at, at threat perception. What are the threats to the country and what level of defense do you need uh, uh, to counter that? Um, secondly, is the uh, pro approved defense posture that South Africa will take. And thirdly, very importantly, is the defense budget. And the 1998 Defense Review proposed four um, options for the organizational structure. Um, and just for ease of comparing on the right, uh, you'll see the options. And perhaps most important to focus on is the four sizes. And option one was a growth core force design. And this focused on uh, having a permanent force of only 22,000 and a reserve force of 70,000 people. Option two was a, a DOD long-term vision. And this, this uh, allowed for a, a bit of a bigger force of 36,000 uh, members and uh, 98 members as a reserve force and this this force would have time with uh, to receive a uh, warning if there was to be an attack uh, on the country or, 
or if it had to participate in peace support, border protection, and other secondary tasks. Option three, um, option three was a lower level demonstration capability. This called for a permanent force of 26,000 and 78,000. And option four um, was a defense of operational strategy. And this called for a permanent force of 27,000 and a permanent force of 32,000. The point here, uh, honorable members, is that uh, the defense review stuck to the briefing of the defense white paper in that it, all these options presented the defense force with a small permanent force and a large reserve force. If you fast forward to the 2015 defense review, they stated that this was not achievable. If you look at the uh, right hand side of the screen there, the 2015 defense review with the power of hindsight said that the assumptions against which the 1998 defense review, uh, defense review force design was constructed quickly became in in any case, the selected force design will never uh, was never attained and remained out of reach within a dwelling defense budget. So that was 1998. If you go on uh, in 20 of the joint things to review the 1998 uh, defense review, and they found that sorry, can they you said um, sorry, after the three meetings that. Sorry, can you move it up? Is it all right now? No, it's not shifting. Oh. Maybe it's shifting on my side. It's shifting on the side. All right. Mm. All right, do my talk. In 2012, the uh, Joint Standing Committee of Defence helped, helped some meetings uh, around the 1998 Defence Review. And during this meeting, I was invited to the committee and he noted that there has been a decrease in the reserves and an increase in the reserves. And during peace, of approximately 45 to 55 was recommended. But after this meeting, there's no concrete recommendations on the force design coming from the Joint Standing Committee of Defense. I just wanted to throw it in there to show you that the uh, the committee itself made no concrete recommendations on this. On this. To fast forward to the Defense Review of 2015, uh, members might be more familiar with this. the Defense Review in terms of its source design. Uh, seen uh, around the five, uh, there's five milestones presented in the defense review of which I included four here. Um, again, I would want to allude members to the uh, four structure and this is very relevant. One, which is the uh, first phase of implementing the 2015 defense review. The projected force figures in that, um, in that milestone one, the permanent force of 47,000 and a reserve force of 15,000 with 10,000 civilians. Um, members should measure this against the current force structure, which around 73,000 um, SNF members in the per, uh, permanent force, including civilians. Um, uh, uh, Chair, just a second, screen share stopped. I'll go back. In the meantime, can uh, uh, Mr. Jongile switch, switch off uh, his mic?
Can you mute your mic, Mr. Chongile? Yes. Thank you. Please mute it. It doesn't. You have not muted. It's not muted. All right, it's muted now. All right. Is the, uh, is the document visible on your side? No, it's not, uh, Verim. Chair, the document is not visible. There are no slides on the on the on the screen. Yes, it's true, Minister. Uh, we are trying to attend to that. Thank you. I will take it off quickly, and I'll try to reshare the document. Is it visible now, Chair, or not? No, it's still not visible, uh, at least from my side. Uh, Sector, if your mic is on, uh, can you mute it, please? Thank you, Zabelung. We're trying here, and it just... Uh, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> I got it. Uh, no. Not yet. Oh, now you are muted, uh, Sector. Are you coming back, uh, Doc? Doc, Doc, Dr. Yasser van Rensberg? Yes, Chair. I don't know what the uh, uh, the problem. I shared it now third third time. Sometimes it takes a second to reflect on the other side. Uh, Then I'll just I'll speak to the main points that that comes from the document. Hopefully, it comes out on the other side again. Let's try. Okay, I'll 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 just speak to the document. Then, um, hopefully, it it catches up. Uh, Chair, on the so on the document, I go through what the 2015 Defence Review uh, presents, and the 2015 Defence Review focuses in milestone one on a force of 47,000 permanent uh, force employees, 15,000 reserve and 10,000 um, civilians. And that is in milestone one of the 2015 Defense Review. Uh, this should be viewed a current, against the current 73,000 members of the Defense Review. So what was envisaged in the initial planning uh, of the Defense Review of 2015 is a much smaller force than we currently have. Only in milestone two, we look at a force that is similar to the one we currently have um, with an increased reserve force capacity. And there's a big departure in the 2015 Defense Review when you compare it to the 20, uh, 1998 Defense Review. 1998 focused on a small permanent force and 2015 uh, focuses on a larger permanent force with smaller reserve components. Um, furthermore, Chair, the, the table that I presented uh, includes in um, a 
reference to the 2017 National Treasury presentation to the Joint Standing Committee of Defense. In 2017, National Treasury said the following during this meeting. It says, they said that there seems to be an unwillingness from defense to implement reforms that could free resources towards the implementation of some of its defense review objectives. And this included, for example, implementation of an exit mechanism for undeployable SANDF members. Critical organizational and efficiency interventions are part of the objectives of milestone one and two of the defense review. So in 2017, basically, National Treasury pointed out an unwillingness on the Department of Defense to actually implement an exit mechanism, force rejuvenation, and to deal with the HR problem and rising cost of employees. Um, furthermore, if, if I carry on to the annual reports, uh, it's important to note that in 2018 and 2019, there were significant overexpenditure on compensation of employees. And if you look at the 2020 um, budget, the budget document uh, states that in its efforts to remain within the expenditure ceiling for compensation of employees, the DOD will review the composition of its personnel and military capabilities to strike the most appropriate balance between the regular force, reserve force, and civilian component. So on the one hand, you have the, the budget that says that the DOD will review the composition of its personnel component, um, but if I look quickly through the slideshow that was sent to the committee, um, it states that there will be no savings from rejuvenation over the medium term. So there's immediately a, a, a disjoint indication there of between what National Treasury says and what the Department of Defense says, and I think it's it's uh, important for the committee perhaps to focus on uh, on this disjuncture. Um, Chair, that. So the, the main point I want to make uh, from the table that I presented, if you, can, if you go from 1994 all the way to 20, uh, 2020, the main point is that human resources problems and re rejuvenation and compensation of employees, it is not a new problem. This problem has been with the Defence Force since 1994, and it has never really been solved. And the problem with that is that it is now presenting real consequences and real problems uh, specifically related to defense for spending on compensation of employees. Um, link to that, uh, for the document open, link to that on page five of the document, I, I speak quickly to the 2014 ministerial priorities. So the previous MTF, and in the 2014 MTF, the minister noted that one of the uh, priorities will be the restructuring of the defense force to ensure authority and integrity of the line of military command, amongst others. Similarly, in 2014, one of the uh, priorities was human resources renewal. Again, I'm trying to make the point that this is not a new problem, and the minister identified this as a key issue in 2014 already. If you carry on the new MTF and the new strategic plan of the department, you will see that organizational renewal and human resources renewal is again a ministerial priority. And this raises two, two points. Firstly, the minister correctly identifies human resource renewal as a key problem. Secondly, it raised the question, why is it taking so long? This has been a ministerial priority since 2014. So, um, 
we could see progress in this regard since it's since it's been identified as a priority uh, and it's continued to be identified as a priority. Uh, movement needs to be seen on this, and I think it's part of um, Parliament's oversight uh, mandate to look at uh, as of this. Particularly, if you look at the uh, mandate of of this committee and the Joint Standing Committee of Defence in terms of the interim constitution, uh, defence and the human resources component are named specifically as oversight. Yes. Um, Chair, just to touch on three other aspects. Um, I showed you that this is not a new problem. It has been raised by the minister as a as a problem. However, we're not seeing movement. On the issue of organizational renewal is closely linked to the need for force rejuvenation. And there's, there's three issues related to force rejuvenation to focus on. The first one is that um, internationally, most military organizations work on a principle of up and out. Um, this is due to the fact that uh, militaries are shaped in a, a pyramid form, hierarchical form, and not everybody can, can progress to the top. Um, so most militaries work on a principle of up or out. And um, for this, you need an exit mechanism. There needs to be a mechanism to, to um, have people that do not progress in rank to have them exit the system. Uh, currently, the Department of Defense that does not have an exit mechanism. There's been calls for, an, for, for them to develop this, but in as far as I'm aware, it has not been submitted. And this was confirmed, for example, last year when National Treasury uh, noted to, to this committee that it was resolved that the department would develop and submit a rejuvenation strategy to National Treasury by May 29. And this is this is uh, in feedback to the committee's uh, BRRR recommendation. The committee made a recommendation uh, around the re rejuvenation plan last year, and National Treasury responded to say that the they agree the department should develop a rejuvenation strategy, and that they were supposed to submit this by May 2019, so around a year ago. Um, and perhaps the committee can follow up with the uh, Secretary of Defense um, to, to find out what the status of this uh, of this policy is and the reasons for not submitting it in 2019 uh, as originally planned. Similarly, National Treasury last year allowed for early retirement without penalties, but they stated that the Department of Defense did not implement this, um, and the reasons for that could perhaps be uh, from from the department. Um, the exit mechanism is important, Chair, because it links to the other two aspects. The, the two big problems that we've seen um, within the defense environment. The first one is that we have an aging defense force. And here I want to just read a quote from uh, Mr. Helmut Eichmann, who is an independent uh, military analyst. And he stated the following. He said that some time ago, figures were published that the average age of the infantry is 37. He says this is not just bad, this is disastrous. At 37, most people are no longer enough to be in the infantry. Perhaps more to the point of this article, at 37, many, if not most, are married with children, which makes them horribly expensive because you have to pay for housing, medical uh, services, etc. The average age of an infantry battalion should be ideally around 23 to 25 at the most, with most of the junior ranks uh, married and living on the base, um, and with the senior officers and NCOs averaging around 32 years of age. 
So I wanted to, to bring in a, an external voice here to just point out to how this is becoming a problem and to make clear how there's a link between an aging force and the problem with compensation of employees because older people become more expensive uh, to maintain within the defense force. And lastly, Chair, the last point I wanted to make is um, around the top heavy structure of the uh, defense force. Again, I included a article from Helmut Heitmann who, who said his point is that in peacetime, um, military forces are often slightly bloated in terms of the officer corps and so forth. But South Africa seems to be still too high, even if you consider that we are in peacetime and it will be a slightly bigger um, senior officer corps, we still have a very bloated, um, uh, uh, top-heavy military structure. And the paper that I distributed to you on page 10, I included the comparison of figures from the 1998 Defense Review and the uh, um, figures from 2018 of the Defense Force. And you will see that um, the middle to higher ranks have swelled significantly, while the lower ranks like privates and lance corporals in the Army, uh, those ranks, the numbers in those ranks have decreased. And this simply means becoming more top heavy and also that uh, these people are more expensive to uh, maintain because in the SNDF rank is linked to salary. So the more senior you are, the more pay you receive. So if you become a top heavy force, you become an expensive force as well. And perhaps questions around the top heavy nature can also be, um, can be, can be questioned. As an example, I just want to read a last paragraph uh, from the uh, uh, from Mr. Heitman's article, he says that between them, the SNDF and the DOD have some 406 generals, admirals, and civilian officials in equivalent ranks. Um, and the key issue I want to take from his article is this: he says only 80 of these are in combat service, with another 17 in defense intelligence. We seem to be leaning away from the combat to focus more on support elements specifically in terms of the senior ranks, such as, as, as general. So, Chair, those are the main issues. I, I don't know if the document shared again on your side. My apologies for that with the system. Um, but those are the main issues. And, uh, Chair, a last point just to make on this. The, the um, human resources issue and rejuvenation issues is closely linked to the ability of the SNDF to maintain itself as a modern fighting uh, force less money available uh, because there's no rejuvenation, if there's less money available to spend on uh, buying new equipment for the military, for example, it, became, it means that the force is stagnating and we're losing technological and military advantage. And that has other spiritual effects around the local defense industry, um, for example. Um, so the question that the, the, the central question the committee should focus on is, uh, how are we going to go forward? How will this problem be resolved? Um, how will the uh, spending on compensation of employees be curbed? The one option is to get more money from Treasury. The other, other option is force rejuvenation. The third option is is uh, of assets, or is it going to be a combination of these of these factors? The central point is that this this is an ongoing concern, and if it is not curtailed within the near future, we will get to a point where the SNDF will have no money except for salaries. And that is a, a 
having effect on the on the SANF as a whole and for it to function as a modern, well-equipped, uh, young and fit for purpose South African National Defence Force. Thank you, Chair. I, I hope that helped. Okay. No, th thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, it's that was our researcher, uh, minister, uh, presenting uh, tracking issues uh, from uh, integration through to the various uh, policy documents. And um, in, in the document, um, he made he made reference to your your remarks uh, when it comes to issues of. Uh, organizational uh, renewal, which is very much linked to uh, force rejuvenation. I think it's an opportunity time now to take uh, the presentation from uh, the SECDEF. SECDEF uh, said he will combine the two presentations into one, the HR plan as well as the force rejuvenation uh, plan. And um, maybe I, 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 that's what uh, the SECDEF indicated at the beginning. Perhaps before I call for the SECDEF, may I ask the Honourable Minister to introduce uh, the report? Honourable Minister. Uh, Honourable Minister. Chairperson, am I audible? Yes, you are. Am I audible, Chairperson? Yes, I, you, you are, uh, Honourable Minister. Very, thank you very much, Chairperson, um, Deputy Minister, Honourable Members, uh, our team led by the Secretary. Um, let me start by apologizing for that you could not uh, pick up that I'm here from the beginning. As you were opening the meeting, I was here, but somehow we were battling to, to get through. I tried to lift my hand and I tried to unmute and nothing. I don't know what the problem was, but I'm okay now. Our apologies. Jefferson, thank you for and, and, and welcome. And welcome to TM. Thanks very much for letting us know that the TM is present. I'm assuming that he's here because he confirmed that he's coming. Yes, I can, I, I, I can see that now on the screen, uh, Minister. Okay, thank you very thank much. You so much. Yes. Thanks for the opportunity to appear before you as scheduled and for presentation which is to be made by the Department of Defense on the items listed. The items listed are not at the heartbeat of the life of the South African National Defence Force. They are from cradle to grave of the SANTF, as you will note from the presentation that will be made with human resources and the opportunities and challenges we face. I specifically mention challenges against the background that the pronouncements made in 2015 defense review have not yet been realized. We are therefore in the dilemma of lack of financial resources for the mandate of the defense function as per 2015 defense review. Presentation therefore will provide visibility 
on some of the challenges as well as proposals to overcome these challenges. Must indicate, Chair, that there's been engagement, vigorous one too, between ourselves and the Department of National Treasury, as well as the Public Service and Administration. This was in order for us to find a solution to the challenge of funding to ensure continued rejuvenation of the South African National Defense Force. This has resulted in expenditure from other sources to be able to continue with the sustainment of members. In other words, reprioritization and sometimes moving money from goods to services in order for us to be able to compensate our employees. Chairperson, what we also need to look into are some of the remarks I have made, which uh, the researcher alluded to, is the organizational renewal, issues of um, ministerial priorities in the form of restructuring the course. And uh, I also put the issues, uh, the emphasis on uh, unexistent uh, exit mechanism from the South African National Defense Force. I want to say this, Chair. There are inaccuracies in some of what the researcher has said, but, but they are equally inaccuracies. I want to start with the non-existence of an, an, an exit mechanism within the South African National Defense Force. Chair, what is called MM, which is Military Exit Mechanism. Each military exit mechanism ends up with a signature of the minister. But during the course over the years, I realized that, in fact, there moments when the military exit mechanism is not initiated by the member. Military exit mechanism was gradually becoming an abuse of my, my view of power of removing those you do not need in your entity. I therefore directed the HR to then start from the beginning and, and develop a mechanism that will not deprive our members their opportunities, that will make sure we retain the skills that we need and not just because now the people who are applying for the mechanism really are people who are highly skilled, but who just felt they wanted to take it because it doesn't have penalties as compared to when you retire. So we let's develop a new policy for that. And I am sure if uh, I see the CHR is here, at some point he may want to talk to that. On the matter of, uh, obviously, oversight, it's in our interest that uh, the committee exercises its oversight. And 
we put this interaction between ourselves and informity is, uh, is must be robust and even more different. Now, when people say up or out, I don't know what that means. But what I would say, Chair, is that we've also observed that if you look at the Defense Review of 1998 and the Defense Review of 2015, they don't talk to the same numbers. And therefore, whenever when we interact with National Treasure, the reference is always, we've now recently realized this, that why is it that they keep on talking about uh, a reduction of plus minus 12,000 or 15,000 over a three-year period? And we realize that they keep on emphasizing this because if everything and everything they do is based on the figures which were stipulated in the Defense Review of 1998 and not the defense review which was adopted by cabinet and parliament in 2015. So that's another matter maybe at some point we need to just stretch out and clear. Jefferson, the, the researcher goes on to talk about an aging defense force and goes on to say the average age of our infantry uh, member is plus minus 37, maybe true, and then goes on to do a comparison study with what happens in other countries. But I also want to remind us that we are in a democracy. This is a new South African National Defense Force a unique South African National Defense Force, which has its own sensitivities, where we integrated both statutory and non-statutory forces, where we integrated seven different, seven different entities into one, into a single defense force. And therefore, people need to understand that even now to date, even as we do issue issues of succession plan, you have to take into consideration those sensitivities. That here you have a South African National Defense Force, which is fairly new, fairly young, at 26, and therefore you must make sure that you balance up the Defense Force and never ever forget where we come from as the Defense Force. So as the researcher talks, and I, I would hope that he would make that kind of comparison, that what you have and, and what you see in other countries may not necessarily be the same because you have a very young defense force which has brought on board members, former statutory and former non-statutory members. As I end my, my, my opening remarks, Chair, then of course the issue of top heavy uh, structure, senior officer core, uh, very uh, expensive to maintain. I want to say that's a subject for discussion, Chair. And maybe at some point we need to engage in that discussion. I think it is very important. Lest we lose focus as to where this South African National Defense Force comes from, 
and how we became the South African National Defense Force from ravages of nothing. So we, we must be, sometimes some of the things we say, we must, I'm not saying it is not top heavy, but I am saying people need to understand some of the sensitivities we have to deal with on a daily basis. Now, Chair, they say uh, it's not a modern fighting force. What I do know is that we have huge numbers from the reserve force. We have a regular force and our regular force fights very well. And maybe in the long uh, uh, term, in, in, in a few hours time, yes, you may say that you don't have a, a force which has the necessary capacity, but for now, from where we are, we believe in spite of the weaknesses which may be there, that we have a, a, a fighting force in the South African National Defense Force, including in fact, even on the borderline, where in the main we rely on the reserve force for deployment, we have a capable force. Then he mentions the defense industry and, 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 and brings in the defense industry in the context of an aging force. I don't understand what that has to do with an, a so-called aging defense force. Because the reality is that the reason why our defense industry is in South Africa is collapsing today, it is because the South, of the cuts in the budget, in the budget of the defense force. And therefore your defense industry, which is supposed to be sustained by your defense force, is unable to get that kind of sustenance because there is no cash injection coming from the defense force. As a result, we have several projects we are at, which are at a standstill because we are unable to proceed because we do not have the resources to do so. And of course, it's obvious that therefore your defense industry will collapse. The collapse, the challenges of Dinel in particular, which is a state-owned entity, which is who we rely on for production of our own equipment for the South African National Defense Force. Has that, that has also impacted on the collapse of the smaller companies because they outsource and then they are unable to pay the smaller companies. So I, I think that when people talk about the defense industry, which is a source of concern to us, which is something which we raise every day, People should never ever forget that, in fact, the defense industry of this country is where it is today, today because of the budget reductions of the South African National Defense Force and maybe our inability to do certain things within the state-owned entity itself. Um, I think, Chair, I... I I would like to, to, to end there, Chair, by saying there is a team. Uh, this was by way of opening my, my remarks, but also I had had an opportunity to listen to the, to the uh, researcher and, and I found some of the remarks he made very interesting. And, and I felt that I, I should take this opportunity to perhaps uh, set the record straight 
on some of these matters, Chair. Um, yes. Thank you very much, Chairperson. We are no, thank you very much. And you will be able to, to take questions. Yes, no, thank you very much, Minister, for your opening remarks. Uh, certainly, the idea is to uh, introduce a debate on some of the issues uh, that um, uh, were raised and you are also, also raising. Remember, we're dealing with a, a, a defense force and uh, we don't have an equivalent of it in, in the country. And we have also not done a, a benchmark because to do a benchmark, it means that you must compare this one to, to, to another. And I'm not aware of a, 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 any defense force that is comparable to our defense force. So, but let's keep discussing these matters because all, all of us, we have the, 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 we have the interest of uh, the defense force at, at heart. We, we must have a defense force that does not lose its capability. And whenever uh, there are signs that we are losing our capability and uh, that we treasure so much, we will raise these matters. But uh, without wasting much time, uh, Minister, I would then invite the, the, the SECDEF to then tell who will then lead uh, the presentation from the side of the department. Uh, SECDEF, over to you, sir. No, thank you very much, uh, uh, Chairperson. I also have to apologize because I, I felt maybe as I introduced the next uh, present, uh, presentation from the Department of Defense, we do need to at least uh, uh, highlight certain comments that have come out. It's unfortunately that I have to comment after the minister has done so because uh, after the minister has spoken, we shouldn't really be coming in. But maybe after the presentation... Sekdef, may I direct that you lead the, the, the presentation so that in the end, you then come in so in, in the discussion, I will call you to close the discussion, and then we touch on on on, on the comments, on on the presentation by 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 the thing by the researcher. Later, after the presentation from the department, we want to see where you stand on on these matters. Um, I'm I'm worried about the about time now. Let's let's launch into the presentation. In the end, you then come in. You made the comments you wanted to make earlier. Uh, then we'll launch into uh, the discussion, a fuller discussion. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, I will then go ahead as instructed. And uh, now I would invite uh, General Gardner, who is going to make a presentation on the Department of Defense uh, uh, rejuvenation plan. This rejuvenation plan includes, it's a comprehensive plan that includes both the human resources rejuvenation plan as well as uh, uh, the capability of the South African National Defense Force uh, Rejuvenation Plan. We have already introduced the team of the Department of Defense, and uh, thank you very much for that. And General Gardner will now make a presentation. He is the uh, director in the military policy and planning. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Secretary. General Gardner, you may come in. Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee on Defense, my honorable members of the committee good afternoon. Allow me to directly get to the presentation as directed. 
members of the portfolio committee on defense. I was instructed and directed to present this, uh, to a presentation on the status of the DOD to this portfolio committee on the same day, which is 27 May uh, to, to, uh, 2020. The end of my presentation is to be the portfolio committee on, def on defense, of defense um, on the areas that require rejuvenation. And the rejuvenation in this context, on the back of the discussions that have already taken place, is a multi-element and not only referring to the HR issues that is the pinnacle of the discussion. So allow me to then indicate the departmental point of view on this issue. The scope is just to give you one snippet of the Defense Review 2015 that is in discussion to explain what does the elements posted fit means to a defense capability and how does it impact on the generation. So, sorry, General. Um, you have two slides uh, on the screen uh, at the same time. Is it possible to have one so that um, we, we we can uh, be able to read it? Now, when you have two, it's difficult to read uh, uh, any one of them. Just a second, Honorable uh, Chair. Um, the ID person is just checking up. Okay. It looks much better, General. You you may uh, proceed. Yeah, remove that which is called next slide so that you stay with the slide you are talking to. Please. Uh, come up uh, in pairs at the same time. On my screen, it's only the one slide, so I'm just checking to the technology people to have one slide. Chairperson, maybe they can hide the presenter view. Oh, okay. Please do that. Let's see how it goes. There you are. Much better. Ah, super. Is that better? Yes, 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 yes. My, the, the, the medal is on, it, on, on its way to you. I confirm the aim to explain. We come to the scope and just we want to indicate the strategic dilemma. Just a snippet on the defensive view and discussion here at 2050. The elements of post-it and how you foresee the challenges and the interventions required for determination. What the department uh, is experiencing in of, as areas of understanding and then questions and discussions uh, for the committee. And I think this is important, the strategic dilemma as stipulated in the Defense Review 2015. And this is exactly where we are. The Defense Review is a critical state, is in a critical state of decline, which is characterized by forced imbalance and affordability of its main operating systems inability to meet current standing defense commitments and the lack of critical mobility and if left unchecked at the present funding level which is certainly in discussion this decline will severely compromise and further fragment our defense capability and i think this is key to the discussion and the references further in the elements of posted fit 
just a further explanation, he's supposed to fit the system elements uh, of a comprehensive defense capability, and I will explain what it means now. But it, the department's position is that you cannot only rejuvenate one element, and that the total system requires rejuvenation in order to have a comprehensive balance and affordable force. Just to confirm the elements of posted fit, it is, it is just an explanation that all of these elements are required in order to have a comprehensive, effective and efficient defense capability. You need the personnel with the correct capability and the correct characteristics, a point of discussion in this in, in this committee at this moment in time. You need the organization which is the architecture and enables command control in this typical pyramid format as referred to by the researcher. The sustainment is the characteristics of the logistics personnel finance to be able to support not only the deployment of operations and missions, but also the day-to-day -day activities of the, of the department and the SNDF at large. Training is in order to prepare that set human resource as indicated in personnel with the competencies, the skills and the attributes to be able to execute each military task in an increasingly complex and widened spectrum of conflict. And then we go to equipment, a, a point of discussion that said, if we look at the, 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 the extract from the defense review, it said, it talks about the quantity and the type of equipment required to execute our military missions and operations. Doctrines refer to the way in which we apply principles, approaches, and concepts in order to optimally and effectively reach our insights. The facilities that is required to accommodate not only personnel but also the stores and equipment utilized uh, uh, during military operations, as well as military operations, other than all the information that is not only an intelligence component but also data and information architecture to allow us to manage the organization in an efficient and effective way, as well as the technology which is the knowledge supply to, from commercial and military uh, technologies to be able to have that cutting and winning edge over any opponent um, facing the SMF. And then obviously the big discussion point is budget, which is buying us all this stuff with a budget that enables us to get the above mentioned, the above mentioned elements. And we see the SMF as a total type of national capability that has to have a balance and access to all of these elements. Just to um, give you some indication of the best locations and the ratios. And I refer to the statement made in the Defense Review 2015, the policy statement that the optimum ratios between HR operating and um, uh, capital layout is 40, 30, 30, something that has been referred to in a myriad of circumstances. So you can see that P refers to HR, and that is the, the allocation related to the cost of employees. C at the bottom is our SDA, which is buying our main equipment. And then the rest the, of the money is utilized for operating for our day-to-day -day sustainment and uh, activities of the department, as well as sustaining our operations.
And if you can see over the period 2018 19 to 2023, 20, 20, 20, it is an indication that normally the allocation has fallen down to around about 32 billion rand. The um, uh, COE allocation, that means the HR cap ceiling that has been put in us, it is um, in, and I'm going to use 2021, 2020, 2021 as an example, is 31 billion. And it, it is related to about 59.45% of our total education. But also, that is what is being given to us if we project the total cost of it, of HR. HR, it will equate to about 34 billion, which leads to 65% of the total allocation. Our operating is about 80 billion, which is 35% of our allocation. And if we can adjust that operating allocation to accommodate the shortfall in COE, we will see it goes up to 12 billion. And then if we look at the capital layout, which is the SDA, the special defense account, and the baseline there is roughly at four, 5 billion. But if we have a look in 2021, 2022, there's a huge reduction. And you can see that HR is uh, above the 40-30-30 uh, ratio as the optimum ratio at the corporate level um, for seeing the defense review and that the capital and uh, um, allocation is way below the 30% uh, as indicated in the defense review. If you look at the personnel and our DOD rejuvenation approach to personnel, the challenges as um, observed by some of the challenges as observed by the by the research as well as the minister is clearly still invisible here. That, and the one thing here important is that our rejuvenation of the HR component and going on the premise to align the HR component with a combat profile to meet the military operational requirements to, the, to prevent stagnation and by filling vacancies that will occur as a result of attrition. The baseline assumption for uh, the HR rejuvenation is that we will retain a baseline strength or force level of 75,000 in the department, while at the same time we will continue to implement uh, measures to rejuvenate the force. Um, the implications thereof is, or the implications is actually the, the interventions that we wanted to in order to achieve that. And these interventions is interalien, the remastering of our combat to support core meaning as people who are holding the organization they might still be utilized in the support environment due to their expertise and knowledge to demilitarize some of our members and place them into funded piece of vacancies within the department to make arrangements with other departments and uh, utilize or transfer into the parliamentary members that could be, uh, um, especially in other security cluster government departments be utilized, as well as if we do the above mentioned three, that will allow us to have a larger intake that is beyond the attrition numbers and through that rejuvenate our force um, and in, in, the, in the context of um, the age rank ratio. Further in the personality is the challenges that we see that, and, and rightly so, is evidence-based that eventually if we do not intervene in uh, the allocation 
with regards to our HR requirement to keep local tuning all our resources that will inhibit the ability of the defense of the executed mandate. Um, it's also largely due to this budget cuts, and we will later see that, and the capping of the CLE below ceiling that it is the department is then forced to look up at, in other places within the departments to find this additional funding. And currently, as referred to by the minister, it primarily comes from the operating budget. Um, for the implications is that we may find it unable to provide the optimal value against the funding from the fiscus, as all the elements of posted fit are negatively affected by a reduced or increasingly reduced allocation to the Department of Defense. And one of the interventions we could consider is the lifting of the COE through additional funding um, by the fiscus. Just to also give you an indication of the historical actual state of the DOD, um, is that over the last eight years, the GODS has significantly reduced um, its strength, its actual strength. And these things are recorded at the end of every financial year. And you can see in the first year from 2011 to about 2014, it was a gradual decrease. But there is, a, there is some significant decrease from 77,000 in 2015 to 73,000 in 2019 on our actual strength. Just as a matter of record, if we have a look at the strength in 1994, 1996, just after integration, the total strength was about 101. So there, if we take it from that point of that, point, that position, we can see that there has been an, uh, a certain effort to reduce the number of the here. Also, just to look at the, the, the whole mastering and distribution of members of the ACNDF, and here yeah, I'm looking not only at ACNDF but also members of the DOD, we could see that there's a total strength of about 73,998 at the 1st of March 2020, with the uniform members about 64,300 and the civilians just under 10,000. But if we can utilize that, uh, distribution and doing the masterings in the full broad mastering, which is combat, which is a typical deployable component of the National Defense Force and the DOD. We said about 33,000 to just over 40% of the people in the combat environment, 18,000 in the support environment, those are the typical um, headquarters, your depots, your support structures um, that allow, and that perspective environment of the secretary that allows the shopping to deploy it. Um, the professionals is about 5,300, and we look at the yeah, engineers, the medical profession, um, as well as technicians. Oh, sorry, uh, and then the, the technical environment is about 6,000 that look after our main equipment and other technical environments with a specific um, uh, qualification to apply to this. And if we look at the average age for mastering, the total average age goes about to 39 years, with the average time in rank of about seven years in rank. Uh, in, and uh, you can see that in combat it's about 38 years of age, but we must also take cognizance of the fact that age over the rank pyramid do increase. Um, it is not everybody of us that is about 28 years old. Generals tend to be uh, about 50. And that also have an influence on the average age. Um, in the organization, and we say that currently the organization as a whole uh, is about 63% funded uh, 
against its full requirement as set on the financial management system um, prescribed by the National Treasury. And a lot of these declines is in the in the portions of goods and services, the location declines, and that inhibits the, the performance and the sustainability of military operations, but also on day-to-day -day functioning. Um, the, the committee on the members was also the cognizance that militaries in peace are not always deployed, and therefore there are other activities in day-to-day -day that need to be stated. Um, there are also standard models that are used in inflation adjustments that are not totally and not very applicable to, uh, to defense, where defense has some environments where the inflation is higher than the normal inflation models, and that should be taken into consideration when um, you consider the cost of doing business. Uh, and if this uh, decline in, in allocation continues, we will decline our ability to do efficient and effective military operations. A part of the organizations, not only uh, the, the, the DOD and the SANDF per se, but it's also extended to arms as well as the defense-led industry. And uh, the argument has already been made that um, the SDA, which is our capital budget, is, to, is there to renew and modernize our primary equipment. And in our letter of allocation, it is indicated by 
puts not only the sovereignty of the industry, but also the sovereignty of the country at us if we are reliant on different um, on, on external industries. In sustainment, year-on-year experiences show that we are declining our ability to maintain sustain and also overall our main processes, especially pertaining to the specified commodities and equipment. And we're talking primarily about main primation equipment, but also notably that our stock levels are inadequate to support current defense commitment and is ever diminishing. We just also need to our limited ability or a decline in our ability to do effective military operations. Training and doctrine, soldiers that are not on deployment needs to train. In peace, training is of cardinal importance to any defense force and the rapid decline in our resources is leading to um, our inability to effectively train not only individuals but also deployable forces, single service exercises and joint and multinational exercises in those domains. Training has been significantly reduced already on the back of um, a diminished um, cost or the diminished uh, resources as well as our centers of excellence are losing the ability to offer and execute require quality combat training. And the more complex the environment become and the more sophisticated it become, the more repetition in training, not only individuals, but only four structure elements are required. It also creates a doctrinal gap in knowledge because people are not getting exposed to the slogan that we are living up to and that is train as we fight. And if we do not train as we fight, we are becoming inefficient in our doctrinal approach. The military capabilities are not prepared to the required level of competence, leading to the inability to execute the expected range of operations and also have a significant risk to command control and safety within the organization and where we are employed and deployed. With equipment, the challenges we are facing is major absolutions and the defense review has no direct intervention to avert the current state of our decline <coughs> in our capabilities. In the examples, you can see that there are really ancient platforms still operating within the SNDF that needs replacement and or renewal. And uh, most of these PMEs are aging with a very slow prospect to, to modernize them and then will require replacement. Um, the impact is that maintenance backwards will continue with the consequence that we lose not only our industrial expertise but also the primary equipment and less funding are made available. These backwards on rotational preventative maintenance as already a measure to save money is also having a detrimental effect on our primary equipment as it might collapse. In facilities, the relative underfunding of our facility portfolio has resulted in the degradation of our portfolio um, port on, on our property portfolio. Uh, Corporate is extremely affected because endowment properties are not being optimally, optimally utilized and we're experiencing, because of age, a lot of OHS challenges. Um, there's also the relationship or our interdependency on NDPW that hampers the maintenance and repair of our facilities. 
The SMDA already has gone to intervene by creating internal capacity that will do uh, these maintenance and repair to a limited extent, but it requires professionals that can comply with um, national standards and standards to do the planning and the quality control. At this point in time, uh, these internal capacity are responsible to maintain and refurbish our own endowment property, properties. Uh, maintenance and repair backlogs will continue in the medium term with a, with a consequent exponential increase in cost to maintain the current facilities and also the degradation of facilities to a point where it's not inevitable anymore. Information, and as I explained in the beginning, information is not only about intelligence, but it's also about the architecture, the enterprise architecture that is no more coherent, no more fit for purpose, and no more compatible to the modern information systems which develop at the rate of knots, and we cannot keep up with that. And it does not always provide sufficient real-time management information for decision-making and compliance to our government requirements. It means that our ICT systems are largely legacy systems and becoming increasingly unstable and vulnerable, not only because of aid, but also because of the new threat of cyber attacks, and the cyber threats are increasing against our systems. Essentially, our components of our enterprise system suffers a lot of downtime resulting in non-compliance to a number of audit and accounting requirements. With technology, South Africa used to be amongst the best when it came to military or defense technologies, and we are unfortunately losing that edge due to underinvestment. The continuous need to renew, maintain and modernize all our capabilities will be seriously affected if we do not maintain our ability to research and develop and create technology. However, in the, in the new realm of, of threats and a complex um, operating environment, the cyber uh, domain is becoming increasingly, uh, increasingly important and we understand that uh, it is important that in those domains, technology must be utilized to create common operating pictures to enhance the effectiveness of our deployed soldiers. Um, the implications is that our civil technology can no longer be guaranteed. Uh, South Africa was the lead in technologies like missile technology, artillery technology, um, protection and mine, mine defense technology, and we are losing the edge. Not only losing the edge because it's outdated and not developed, but we are losing the uh, intellectual property as people are being, or people with knowledge, move to other spaces. Location, quickly, just to show you in a graph that over time, since 2008, there's been an increased reduction in our budget through the impact process. And if we look at over the period from 2008 to 2020, the accumulative nominal reduction of the of the allocation to the, the national defense force amounts to about 32 billion rand. Uh, and as you can see, nowhere has it been increased in the intake process. Most of these or all of these are indicating reductions in the initial allocation. And the funding in the compensation of employees, this has been referred to uh, in previous discussions. Let me take 2020-2021 as an example. The COEC initial um, allocation was 30 billion. 
We had a baseline adjustment and increase of 600 million, which brought us to 31 million. But the prime cost for 2020, 2021, 2020, 2021, on the current strength of 73,988 as on the 31st of March, shows such a need about 34 billion rand, and therefore a shortfall of over 3 billion rand, increasing over the period 
you know. But uh, what you are telling us is that, uh, yes, but there are more elements that have to be taken into account to get a comprehensive picture of the capability of the defense force. And it is in those single one of them that we are you know, experiencing these challenges that you have presented as a result of the budget constraints. It's very serious. And uh, I, I, you know, sometimes you will understand when a, a person says, look, <clears throat> let's, let's end the discussion now and then take the discussion later. But I'm not going to do that. I will still allow colleagues to ask questions of clarity so that they understand the, 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 the presentation um, very well, even before we start to discuss it. I think we must have another day for a discussion. So, Def, I don't, I'm not too sure if you still want to say anything. Uh, what has been said um, is far much more than uh, uh, what uh, we, 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 we started off with. And uh, let me just allow you to say one or two things uh, without dwelling on the pres that presentation that much. And uh, we now need to look forward. Uh, Sekdev? Yes, Sekdev? No, thank you very much. Chairperson, um, I'll be guided by you, but I just wanted to make a few remarks in terms of the uh, uh, research report. Sekdev, like let's not discuss it now. Let's ask questions for clarity. Uh, I can see you want to launch into, into the discussion, and um, yeah, I no. don't think we'll have enough time to discuss. Yeah, no, that research report was presented to us, and uh, if we don't respond to it, then it will go on record of Parliament as uh, a true reflection of um, what has happened with the Department of Defense. But if you say we shouldn't respond to it, it's okay, I'll be happy with that. Not, 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 not to respond uh, per se, SECDEF, uh, at the moment. Let's have another time for discussion, where we'll put both documents on the, on the table for, for discussion. And uh, let me just get members uh, members feeling, but I will come back to Sadef. I may, I may be doing just injustice to you, uh, colleagues. Uh, let me hear how you want to approach the matters. But my feeling is that let's ask questions of clarity, and then set aside another time for discussion. And uh, yes, uh, I recognize you, Mr. Mare. Mr. Mare, yes. Mr. Mara said you think you, you are unmuted. Sorry, you are muted. Can you unmute? I can hear you, Mr. Mare. Sorry, I can hear you, Mr. Amare. Any other hand, colleagues? Whilst uh, Mr. Mare is trying to uh, uh, tune in. Chair, uh, can you hear me now? Yes, yes, yes. I hear you clearly now. Okay, you may come in. Okay, I'm, I'm making a proposal that we ask questions of clarity for now and then set aside another time for a fuller discussion on these matters. Over to you, sir. 
that that that's fine if that your is that your ruling, sir. I must just raise a, a few points. That is obviously of a bit of a frustration to me. I mean, we come into a portfolio committee meeting, and uh, if we are not to discuss it now, when will we discuss it? When is the date? Because if it's on the program, then it might only be in the in the in the next quarter, and that is too late. The reason why I'm saying this. And the minister and the secdef who has been with who have been with me in the fifth parliament will remember that this is not the first time that a presentation like this has been given. This is probably the first time to the sixth parliament, but it's been submitted to us numerous times in the past. And what is quite quite clear to me is that, and we have had interactions with national treasury in the past. It is quite clear to me that on the North Pole we have got National Treasury and they are not moving a centimeter away from the North Pole. And on the South Pole we have got the Department of Defense and the Department of Defense is obviously also not moving. So nobody is meeting anybody somewhere in the middle and we have got a huge ocean that is a constant ocean. So my concern is we we are we are repeating what we have done in the past and if we can't move from where we have been in the past to somewhere in terms of progress then we've got a problem remember what we've got is a, a budget allocation based on the national treasury and the minister of finance allocations based on the economic growth based on the revenue etc so those are realities and and obviously with now with COVID-19 uh, implications, we know it's even going to be more severe. So, so what I have requested in the past, and the SECDEF will, 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 will attest to that, is that both from National Treasury and from the department is to say, how can we move somewhere to the middle and see what can we do? Because the reality is I, I support the department in terms of that we need more money. But if the if the economy and the national treasury and the fiscus is not going to give us more money, it means that we are repeating this thing over and over and over, and we're not moving an inch towards each side. So those are the realities. And somewhere along the line, we must ask, I asked myself, the 2015 Defense Review, that is the official policy of government and of the department. There are a number of things in the 2015 Defence Review that is quite clear now is, is unachievable. Nowhere, I've, I've asked it in the Fifth Parliament a number of times, when are we going to amend the 2015 Defence Review in terms of those targets? It's never been done. So, so we cannot be in a position and not discussing this going forward and knowing exactly when we will discuss it. Because we have to become, we have to get onto the same page. And, and currently within our, our portfolio and then within government, um, uh, clearly, I mean, government cannot have two, two, two ways to talk. They must have one voice. And currently it's National Treasury on the one side and Department of Defense on the other side. And they are worlds apart. There's not even, there's not even land between. And if we're going, not going to address that, then we are going around the circle and around the circle and we're chasing our own tails and we will eventually catch our own tails and we will not move an inch. 
my fear, my fear, and that is what in this presentation is, is that we are getting farther and further behind and nobody is moving an inch in any way and we will be caught with our pants on our ankles and we will then be able to defend our country and the sovereignty. So, so I've got so many questions, sir. So if you can then determine when we will have this, this discussion, because I'm sure the SECDEF would want to have his, his opportunity as well, because this is critical. I mean, this is not just talk. If we don't walk this talk, then it means nothing. Then it means th this is fruitless and wasteful if we are going around the circle numerous times and we are not addressing the issues. Please, sir. You are still unmuted. You're still muted, sir, Chairperson. You're still muted. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mr. Mare. Any other taker colleagues? Um, any other hand? Chairperson, yes, it's, it's Dennis Ryder here. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I, I just want to agree with Mr. Mare. Um, you know, we we sit with a situation where uh, at our previous meeting we spoke about the turkeys being asked to organize Christmas lunch. And I think this is again a similar situation. Now, the constitution quite clearly gives political responsibility for the defense force to the minister. Um, and and the, the, the political responsibility is either to uh, address the mandate of the defense force or to address the budget uh, and, and to find the middle ground. And, and I think that's exactly what Mr. Murray is saying, that that middle ground has been sought for quite some time, um, but it, it's now a case that we, it needs to be resolved urgently. And uh, yes, I, I would recommend perhaps an all-day workshop if, if, if that's what it needs to, to be done. And, and, and certainly now um, is a good time to do it when uh, other parliamentary obligations might be slightly less for some people. Um, but to give everyone a proper opportunity to air, air their views and to, to give the minister a platform to, 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 to guide us in terms of, of what's been happening in, in, in cabinet. So we can also get to understand from a political aspect what, uh, what, what the direction is that the, um, the Treasury and the Defence Force can, can, can move in where they can start to find each other. But I do say, I do agree with Mr. Maria, it's extremely urgent that this now gets resolved because kicking it uh, further down the road is not going to help anybody um, and certainly not going to help the country if, if something goes wrong. Thank you, Chair. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, Minister, uh, you, you may want to comment at this stage. Uh, there appears... Uh, so what we can, what we see is a gulf between yourself uh, on one hand and treasury on the on the on the other. You admit to some of the weaknesses, and uh, but you still say, look, well, uh, young democracy, uh, uh, young uh, defense force, and uh, yes, it's top heavy, but there are sensitivities, and uh, yes, the issue of uh, infantry being uh, uh, averaging uh, 37 years and uh, but we must understand that um, we we balance up uh, forces that were coming from uh, the different uh, cultures to uh, make up one organization and um, 
you know so 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 you are saying you and you 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 are aware of the uh, criticisms that are, are being leveled at the force level of at the force levels all right you are aware but um, you counterpose that with uh, you know uh, 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 you know the the sensitivities that we are talking about that you are all aware of all right but then treasury says look this thing is weakening uh, capability at a human resource level, okay? Two, and uh, you, you, you. Then they place the ceiling because they asked you to provide an exit mechanism, which initially was put in place but suspended, in in the hope that uh, an alternative will be found where it 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 it, it targets the areas that uh, you think uh, it needed to target to address the issue of uh, rejuvenation and the reduction as, as, as it were. Not reduction, but uh, rejuvenation uh, in, in, in the army. So I'm saying you, you have you on one hand, you and the department on one hand, you also have treasury on the other saying, I mean, until you move, we're not going to move, all right? But in treasury not moving, right? The implications are much wider, you know? They are in every single aspect. Of, of the defense force. And uh, if people talk of the defense force losing capability, it's not just losing capability in one area, it's losing capability in every single uh, crucial aspect uh, of, of itself. I mean, if you can't, if you reduce training hours, if you can't uh, maintain your, 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 your aircraft, if you can't maintain your vehicles, if your ICT is vulnerable and, uh, and uh, it's, it's threat, you know, so, so, so I'm, I'm saying you, you, you are, are not only just, uh, you know, uh, uh, an organization that is uh, uh, losing capability in a gradual, in a gradual way. You are basically collapsing. We have an institution that is collapsing on our face. You may want to comment, Minister. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. And thank you for the presentation made by HR, but also thanks for the comments made by uh, colleagues, honorable members. Chairperson, the comments you've just made are very true. In fact, you've captured everything I said. And equally, you've captured everything which is a concern to the South African National Defense Force. The reality is that no matter how hard you try, if the answer is that the issue is not about you, South African National Defense Force, we're not targeting the National Defense Force. It has to do with the national fiscals it immediately immobilizes you. And that's a reality. Even now, as I'm talking, because of the economic situation which prevails in the country, there are all indications that there may be a cut, further cut to the baseline. Now, second issue is, if you are told that within a period of three years, 
you must make sure you exit plus minus 12 to 15,000 soldiers, members. Now you're talking here about a country which has a high rate of unemployment. I'm not saying they shouldn't go, but I'm saying you're talking about a country that has a very high rate of unemployment. And you are saying people who are trained, people who know how to use weapons of war, should go out to the streets even though their age allows them really to still remain as members of the South African National Defense Force. I'm just throwing that as a as a as a as a as a matter for discussion I think in our further interactions. Rejuvenation chair, it is true. And when we talk rejuvenation in this instance, we're talking about rejuvenation of everything, not just the personnel. We're talking about the capabilities of the South African National Defense Force. And the reason is that there is absolutely very little you can do in rejuvenating all aspects of the South African National Defense Force without some form of cash injection. Now, one of the decisions which we, we took was that we probably need to start to look looking at some of the assets which we, we do not require anymore, which are redundant, look at that which uh, National Treasury may allow us to dispose of, but in exchange for something so that it can go towards the process of rejuvenating the SANTF. We have been trying ways of being self-sustainable, but it does get to a point where it becomes extremely difficult. But the good thing about, about this issue is that with all the frustration which we've been having, it has opened a window of opportunity for us to interact with the Commander-in-Chief and open up about everything and everything, what's and all about the challenges we are having. So as I'm talking now, yes, there's been discussion with National Treasury. Yes, there was even a time when we had a tripartite meeting with the Public Service and Administration, uh, National Treasury and ourselves where the three ministers gave a directive that between the Secretary of Defense and the DG, National Treasury, they needed to find a solution to deal with some of the problems. At the time, in particular, the compensation of employees. Now, obviously, the compensation of employees is getting even bigger. By the way, not because we have employed more people, because if anything, we have a very high attrition rate in the South African National Defense Force. It's, a, it's at about three to four thousand people per year, right? And it's not like as they move, we then fill in those vacancies, precisely because of the financial challenges which we are having. But equally, Chair, equally, 
with all of those problems said, I shouldn't shy away from being critic, critical to us, to ourselves, uh, that sometimes, and I've discussed this with the, with the defense, uh, Department of Defense, that I don't understand at times how, with all of the challenges we have, that come end of the financial year, sometimes you find that there is, in some areas, you have under expenditure. Okay. But I've also noted that it is very easy for National Treasury, for the minister, for instance, amongst ourselves to say, defense, just go, even with the DG, just go, let's look at how you reprioritize and see where we can what money is available which we can use to to plug this huge hole the compensation of employee which by the way has not occurred at one go it's something which has been going on over the long period of time and that is why we are at this point where we have this huge amount of money which is now a deficit in our compensation of employees then you'll go away believing that you found a, a solution, you, you'll be able to work around, reprioritize within the department in terms of your budget and see what it is that can, which can be done to, to, to close the hole. Then when you found it, having been given the mandate, you find the money and you go back and say, okay, we think that for now, this is what can be used, then you are not granted permission to do so. But you are given the opportunity to go look for it, find, just scramble around and see what it is that we can use. You find it, once you find it, then you are told, but no, 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 you can't use that. My last comment, Chair, which I think should, is, should be the fear of everybody, everybody, who understands the mandate of the South African National Defense Force and the importance of having a defense force in a country such as ours, particularly which has such a long coastal line and all of the many borders where we border with other countries. What we should be worried about is the fact that there are clear indications that in the near future, there will be no special defense account to talk about. And yet, special Minister, defense... Minister, you are saying in the near future. I saw on, this, on the screen saying that as from, 20, um, from this financial year... I guess the... I, didn't, I, I guess I didn't want to, to, to give that punch, that kind of pain. <laughs> I, I think we've, we've also absorbed a lot of pain. The reality is that if we honestly do away with a special defense account, what basically we are saying as a country is that the defense force does not need any capabilities. Now, when you don't have capabilities, effectively what you are saying is that you don't need the South African National Defense Force to exist. And I'm just saying that that is one of the things we need to take cognizance of. And fortunately, as I said, we have had an opportunity 
to take the commander-in-chief through everything. And I know sitting here that he made an undertaking to the military command council that he has, he's going to make an intervention because he too realizes that we, the, the, the challenges are of, are of, uh, are, are challenges of a greater uh, magnitude. So I'm, I'm, I'm therefore saying, Chair, I welcome your suggestion that there be presentation, there be comments, and that at the next meeting, in a longer meeting, even if we take a day or we say we are going into a Nihutla stove boss perat for a two-day period between ourselves as the department and yourselves as the oversight committee, where we take you through everything. So where we even discuss to a point where maybe we agree on where we think we should shave now. Because if it means that the South African National Defense Force must cut its numbers, let it be a clear decision and not just a proposal because there's no money, because the Defense Review of 2015 says a different story. Now, whether we should have another defense review, my view is that defense reviews tend to be very long they are, they are expensive, so I don't think South Africa needs another defense review in order to look at what we currently have vis-a-vis -vis the challenges we are having as a country. But I just believe that maybe we need, maybe even some people from outside beyond ourselves who can look and say, look, in view of the reality of the national fiscus in South Africa, in view of the economic challenges you have as a country right now, and the situation post-COVID is going, post-COVID-19 is going to be worse than what it is. So there, there is just no possibility of, of, there's no possibility that we will get money. But my view is that there are many, many properties we had agreed ages ago, but we were never given the permission to go ahead and do it together with National Treasure, where we were saying, let's sweat our assets. Let's sweat our assets not by way of selling, because you want to keep your things, you want to keep, for instance, your land, you want to keep properties but you can use your asset to generate some form of income for the Defence Force, it, if only there is proper planning. So I, I, I welcome the, the comments, Chair, and, and I welcome your, your commitment that you will arrange for another meeting. And I, I like uh, Honourable Murray, I think that the sooner that meeting is held, the better so that issues don't remain hanging for a long time. Thank you very much, Jefferson, and thank you, honorable members. Uh, sorry, my apologies, Minister. 
Secretary, you wanted to say a few things on the earlier document um, before we throw uh, to a close on this on this particular aspect. I'm not too sure if the DM would want to say a few words, but I'll hear yes. when he makes the indication. Uh, Secretary? Yes, I was just, I was saying before even that chair, I now see the deputy minister is here. Yes, I, I think that he should he should comment on on some of the matters. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Minister um, DM. If you think you were uh, at the state where you can make a comment, I will call you after the sector, just to give you time to uh, put together the thoughts. Sector. No, thank you very much. Uh, I think uh, uh, I agree that. Uh, we do need maybe some more time, as the chairperson has indicated and the minister has supported. So without going into details, uh, I was just saying that document that uh, the research uh, uh, unit has presented, it, it will need further uh, comments and, uh, and input because in a way, it was more of um, uh, editorial in a sense that uh, it did not cover what we would what we were looking for from the research report, which is really evidence-based kind of scientific approach, whereby, for instance, when you talk about what the National Treasury said in 2017, you will cover all the aspects. You wouldn't just say National Treasury said that DOD uh, is unwilling to, 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 to adjust to the uh, rejuvenation plan or the cost of employees uh, adjustments and so forth. You would then say the National Treasury stated this and the Department of Defense stated this. So you put both um, as a scientific um, uh, report because as uh, just to comment on the 2017, it was coming after 2016. 2016 national, and this information that uh, research must put on, on the table, 2016 National Treasury reduced the cost of employees by 9 billion rands over the MTSF period, 3 billion rands a year, meaning that the Department of Defense had to fire, retrench 7,000 members. So you say that, it's a fact, it's a research report. And then you can say, now addressing that issue, how does the Department of Defense fire 6,000 people a year? These were the issues that were addressed. And the National Treasury said this, DOD said that, and then uh, of course, uh, as you know, uh, it was stated in 2017 that the Department of Public Service had to come up with a mechanism as to how do we fire and retrench 6,000 employees uh, a year. So, I mean, that's a kind of a research report you'd be looking for. Even when you are analyzing what happened from 1998 to 2015, you can't just say it, it was stated that uh, uh, the, 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 the members of the Defense Force must be reduced totally from that to that level, you would be able to say, in 1998 defense review, the defense force that was uh, envisaged at that time was a defense force that stays in the barracks, that stays in hospitals. But during that period, there were fundamental changes, whereby from 1998 to 2015, the, 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 the borders that were supposed to be guarded by the police 
were brought back to the Department of Defense. And now the Department of Defense was, the, the Defense Force was expected to participate in peacekeeping operations, whether it was in Comoros, in, in, in Burundi and others, which were not there in 1990. Now that's the research you are doing in 1998. So you have four focus areas added to the mandate of the Department of Defense in terms of border safeguarding, peacekeeping operations, disaster management, when we went to Mozambique in that time, as well as support to the people with as recently seen uh, engineers for the VAL. And, and, and so you would be able to indicate that from 1998 up to now, there were certain fundamental changes that took place that made the, 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 the defense force a mandate to be expanded. And you put that as part of your research report for members of parliament. And also just to, to highlight uh, the fact that uh, uh, where we are today, uh, there's still ongoing engagement. We have been reporting to the members of the Portfolio Parliamentary Committee as far back as the fourth administration from 2009, 2014, and uh, 20, from the fifth administration, 2014, 2019, when we came up with the defense report up to, up to now, with the six administration, we have been presenting all of these reports into the uh, into the portfolio portfolio committee. So these are the reports that should form part of the research report. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Sekdev. Uh, on on the treasury comment, uh, Sekdev, I can see you are linking it up to the reduction in your personnel uh, from 2016 to 2017, and so on and so forth. It's very recent. Uh, the, they were actually commenting on our budget review uh, document. I think it, it it was forwarded to us in February about to say, look, uh, there seems to be unwillingness on the part of the defense force to uh, deal with issues of um, uh, exit mechanism. I think the point has been reflected ex expansively. By, by, by the minister, don't want to go back to it. Why it was started and stopped. And, uh, uh, but they're saying the issue remains uh, a concern. And the two, they've actually asked you to come back to them with a rejuvenation plan, yeah, right? And uh, they said that as, as just recently as, as February. Not, not, not something that Treasury said many years back. They said it this year, all right? I thought you would then come in and said no, from 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 February when they gave you this uh, comment, this is what subsequently happened. All right, that's one. And two, on on the research report, don't look at it as a, a full blown research. It was just tracking issues uh, for the portfolio committee to say where we have come from. And it doesn't substitute your presentation, uh, Sekdev. We're still going to ask for your presentation to in give because your presentation remains authority on matters. A, a HR plan and enforced rejuvenation. His was just a, a what you call a, 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 a bullet a presentation rather than being what you 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 thought it should be. We're not we're not there as yet, sector. Uh, uh, but if you still think uh, we can improve on the document, we will welcome your comments uh, on it in black and white sector. Thank you so much. And um, uh, Mr. Mafanya, you want to make a comment? I can see the way you're yes, looking please, at me. Please. Before yes, I, I ask the 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 the, 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 the DM, Mr. Mafanya, you may come yes, in. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, the Minister, and the DM. Uh, 
Actually, I would like to concur with you uh, when you said that uh, we can arrange a date where we uh, do a post-mortem on the reports that we have just got, that we got from two gentlemen, Mr. Van, uh, Van Rensberg and uh, this, uh, this other one. But the question is that uh, we are in a state of paralysis in the DOD. And then uh, it needs an, our attention in the most urgent way. And uh, the reality is that uh, we, we are dealing with things that happened for the past couple of years. And uh, through you, Chair, I would love to come to a point where in this administration, we act decisively and we also come up with uh, with mechanisms where we can begin to say we are able to deliver on the mandate. Because now seemingly it, it portrays the past uh, uh, administration as though it did not do their work because there is nothing tangible that came out of it. Now, you, you put it rightly when you say we just got the very depressing uh, reports that shows that uh, the DOD is literally collapsing. Uh, whatever that uh, uh, the general and uh, the minister might say that may defend, the, the, is that uh, the reality that now we are in such a state where we've lost this SAA, ESCOM, DINEL, and, and now we are here on this SANDF. We, we cannot defend that. And there is also the issue of the, the treasury that there is no synergy between the two departments. And, and, and it gives us an impression that um, Treasury is eventually collapsing, the CENDF. Uh, and, and that's where we have to zoom in. And I also agree with the minister where she says that we need to have a bosperat of some kind, but there must be timelines and there must be also decisive output. There must be actually things that we can look back and say we saved the SANDF. Thank you very much. Uh, th th thank you. Sorry. Th thank you so much, uh, Mr. Mafanya, for, 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 for your comments. And uh, I certainly promise that we'll have uh, another round of discussion where we go can go into these matters. They're quite involved. Um, we're dealing with the quite, uh, you know, not only just involved, the, like I said, they, 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 they were dealing with the asset of the country, and we can't just let it uh, go to, you know, we do not want to lose it at any at any time. All right, Minister, you close at the, at the end. Uh, I know you may want to close up uh, when we wind up the discussion. Uh, DM, just just a few comments, and then the minister close, and then we move to the next item. DM. No, uh, Chairperson, uh, Minister, and uh, the Secretary for Defence, and uh, honourable members of the committee, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, I am actually happy that, uh, uh, Chair, you have allowed the, the Secretary for Defence, the Accounting Officer, to, to come in and comment on the issues before the committee, <clears throat> because... Um, he is, of course, someone we would rely on in uh, sketching the challenges for us at the 
at a high level where decisions uh, must be taken. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> just to say that uh, the suggestion that we must have a, a day dedicated for the issues in and around <clears throat> our human resource challenges is uh, it's supported. Uh, if we had time, though, Chair, I would have uh, uh, been more uh, empowered by comments that committee members uh, were allowed to, to make uh, uh, or accorded the opportunity to make because you see at times in a discussion when you say people um, let's will entertain your questions you may actually create a constipation because more than clarity uh, in their minds uh, they have actually views that uh, and opinions that they want to uh, to 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 offer uh, and uh, it would have uh, assisted if some comments from members of the committee were made on this presentation so that uh, the workshop we're talking about uh, can then be designed or prepared for in a way that uh, uh, meets the expectations of, uh, of members of the committee. That's the first point. The second point, of course, is to say that uh, uh, the, the rejuvenation referred to in this presentation presentations uh, it is it has been my assumption that we are talking about the human resource rejuvenation specifically uh, not the overall aspects of the rejuvenation of the force uh, i'm aware that uh, of course there are issues which uh, uh, are elements of rejuven rejuvenation which speaks to uh, resources that the rejuvenation of the human resource still would require. For instance, in the presentations, uh, the presenters were making reference to the implications of uh, reduced budgets for the centers of excellence uh, that uh, we need and that we have for the training of this human resource, but also uh, the technologies that this human resource must be capacitated with and have the competencies of, uh, of using and employing. Uh, those are aspects of resources uh, that, of course, impacts on the rejuvenation as, as uh, 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 rightfully so that we must uh, not lose sight of so the, the, the point that uh, I am uh, making, Chair, is that uh, the discussion that we must have, we must hone it. The workshop that we must have, we must hone it by further uh, exploring people's thoughts and views around this matter, such that uh, those who then take the responsibility to prepare for it can then not uh, bring something that people end up feeling disappointed uh, about because it does not address all of the things that uh, they wanted to see, you know, brought into the picture. The point about uh, the, 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 the plea by Honorable Member Kuobos Marei about 
the need for rapprochement between uh, the Department of Defense and Treasury. I think it's a it's a legitimate, it's a fair uh, uh, concern because uh, this point that was made in 2017 by Treasury uh, when they uh, proposed uh, a, a ceiling to the compensation of employees for the Defense Department seems not to have taken into account what is actually on the table in relation to decisions as far as the force levels of the South African National Defense Force, which of course is uh, what is contained in the defense, the last defense review of 2015. And I hear the minister saying that actually Treasury uh, based their proposals on the 20, uh, 1998 defense review. I was actually not even, you know, uh, uh, sensitized about that uh, particular, you know, detail. And if that is the case, obviously it means that it's something which, uh, in discussion with Treasury, we need to uh, have a, a relook at because Treasury cannot. Uh, Treasury cannot uh, introduce its own defense review by the back door. It has to observe what the cabinet and parliament has, uh, you know, uh, resolved on, uh, but not, uh, you know, uh, bring in policy decisions which are against what has been through formal and uh, recognized processes. Uh, generated and agreed to in government. So this uh, uh, constraints, the constraint put by the compensation of employees ceiling that Treasury has put in place uh, is a matter of concern to me. Uh, and that uh, if uh, there is actually uh, some irregularities uh, involved in how Treasury ended up with the proposals that they, they came up with, and those uh, needs to be addressed. The, of course, the last point, of course, on my side is that, of course, the department also needs to uh, chair, without um, wasting uh, uh, further time on this issue, the department needs, in my view, to also make us understand that uh, the history the minister is talking about which uh, would have led to a bubble wherein there is a, a undesirable high levels of employees in the defense force because of the integration that happened at the beginning where we started off from. They must be able to give us a sense of when that bubble will run its course and pass, because it can be a stagnant bubble. But the second point also is that agreeing that the Defense Force has as a matter of convention to be maintained as a pyramid organization, the policy informing the exit mechanism also should be something that is very clear and uppermost in our mind that all of us are educated about how it deals with this population as it comes in and as it exits the presenter made the point about uh, or rather the researcher of parliament makes the point that uh, 
you know, there is a principle of up. It's upward mobility, up or out. That principle, it's necessary, of course, to maintain a pyramid organization. But the policy in relation to what is the criteria, what are the procedures, I think it's something that the uh, uh, members uh, are right to say they must themselves be okay with, they must understand. And it is for the department to bring up those issues uh, uh, to the committee. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, thank you so much, uh, DM, for, for, for your comments. Indeed, uh, those are matters would have to go into uh, in greater detail when we meet um, uh, in a form of a workshop. And um, yeah, uh, Minister, uh, colleagues, any other comment before I ask the Minister to wind up on this discussion? Uh, do I see a hand? I don't see a hand. Any hand? Um, a chairperson? Yes. Um, for you, any other, yeah, any other colleagues? Doesn't look like there's any, uh, Mr. Mare. Yes, uh, um, just on on uh, going forward, um, can can we get a, a a commitment in terms of when we can discuss this? Because uh, I mean, I'm I'm really concerned if we are just going to put this somewhere in file 13 and wait for it to pop up itself. I think it's in the, in our interest, in South Africa's interest, in Minister, the SecDef, everybody's interest that we that we try to finalise this ASAP. Thank you. Yes, Mr. Mare, I think we, Mr. Mafanya, uh, summarised it very well when he says uh, the matters are urgent, and uh, and therefore they need our uh, urgent attention, and uh, so I will try to find a date uh, in the near future where we would uh, deal with these uh, matters. Let's take this report as presented. Uh, I think we must reflect on it. So that when we get into this discussion, we, 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 we are uh, also empowered. Right now, we got into this discussion with, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what to say, uh, only to find when we are already in the discussion uh, that the matters are quite involved. I think the DM raised the point very well to say rejuvenate, forced rejuvenation and HR, that was a limited scope. We started from a limited scope. What the department, what a, a General uh, Gardner on behalf of the department did, he opened it up. And in doing that, and uh, uh, he raised very serious issues that needs us to apply our mind on. You can see, we're narrow and the issues are much broader. It is in that context that I then said we need uh, to have a discussion uh, on this matter. Uh, very soon, Mr. Mare, um, I, I don't know, I will look into the, into the thing, into the calendar and then come back to you. It will be in the matter of weeks, not even months. And uh, thank you so much, I assure you. Uh, Honourable Minister, uh, two minutes, if you may, if you may, just to close. Chairperson, once more, thank you very much for inviting us to make this presentation to this meeting. And I hope that the second session will be sooner than later. Chair, I made my comments about uh, my views on the matters. 
maybe just the last thing I can I can just I should say to honourable members as people who have an oversight over the South African National Defence Force and the Department of Defence that um, so far on top COVID now we are doing very very well colleagues. We have not had honorable members any casualties, but just also to indicate that uh, we've been taking rounds, going to different bases, particularly those which have many, many scores of young people who are in training. And uh, we are happy with the state of readiness, happy with the state of preparedness in the event we were to be uh, attacked by this uh, terrible, vicious uh, virus. And just to also indicate to you, honorable members through you, Chair, that currently members of the South African National Defense Force are all over the country in all nine provinces, and that we will now be operating on the basis of the district model. So we send them there and we then put them at the mercy of the joint jocks to then deploy them to different areas. We have also deployed some members of the South African military health services who are currently assisting honorable members in screening and mass screening and testing of our people in different areas. And we have sent a sizable number of, I think, 118, 80, engineers to different provinces to assist in water reticulation colleagues and to also assist in transportation of that water to different areas where water is required. And lastly, we then continue, of course, with our program of building bridges so that we do not find ourselves in a situation where people are unable to access clinics, are unable to access immediate help when they need help because there are problems of uh, accessibility because there is a river to cross. I just thought that as a, as a parting shot, I need to make that point that there's a lot of work currently being done, colleagues. The entire Defence Force has been mobilised, it is on standby. And I'm sure you will appreciate, Chairperson and Honourable Members, that as we enter Level 3, opening up the economy, the challenges are going to be even bigger. Because if you look at Level 4 already, people think that the virus is, is it's gone. But actually, we are told that uh, the peak is coming end of August, September. We do expect that we will have members of the South African National Defense Force who may as well uh, be affected or infected by the virus. But I, I want you to assure you that our state of readiness is okay. And that we are not just looking after members of the South African National Defense Force, the manner in which we are putting up our quarantine site so we are doing it such that in the event there were to be a spillover and overflow in, the, in your civilian quarantine site, the Defence Force would be able to come in and assist in whatever way 
because at the end of the day, we are not just a defense force that is responsible for uh, whose mandate is to secure the, our territorial integrity. We also have a responsibility towards the protection of our people. And I want to appeal to members that because you are in the provinces, when you do have an opportunity, if you are nearer a base where members of the South African National Defense Force reside, please move in there and check for yourselves what is happening. That too will help us so that where there's need for improvement or where nothing is happening, then we can step in and make sure that things are done. Thank you, Chair, and thank you, and thank you, Deputy Minister, and thank you to the team. No, th thank you so much, uh, Minister. And then uh, you, I think it was quite positive. Uh, we, I think the, the the defense force is doing a good uh, a good work, a good job in in the COVID. Um, I think we owe it to to them that uh, we with to them and other uh, essential service staff that we've been able to uh, disrupt. The, the the chain of of, of the of the, the of transmission colleagues um, right uh, can we quickly move to the next item um, on the on irregular expenditure minister uh, sector says uh, they are not ready uh, with the with 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 the report uh, so in other words you can't share with us the findings of uh, the investigations and, uh, but I want to uh, make this point clear that uh, the the irregular expenditure, irregular expenditure, is removed from uh, the note, in other words, from your financial statement, only when it has been either condoned or recovered, or not condoned or not recoverable. For as long as none of this has happened, the matter will remain relevant and they will keep asking you to come and report on them. Right now, Minister, uh, matters that we're talking about, uh, uh, where is this thing now in this document? Uh, <clears throat> you see, in, in, I have the report with me, the 2018-2029 uh, report, right? Where they detailed every single incident of, a, of irregular expenditure, amounting to three, well over three billion rand. And they itemized them where, uh, where that occurred and how much uh, is involved. But at that time, uh, the SECDEF in the report said that the investigation was underway. Investigation in progress. He itemized every single one of them and says, investigation uh, uh, in progress, investigation in progress, right up to the last one. That was uh, when you prepared the report on the 31st of March uh, 20, 2019. We're now in 2020, over a year since you mentioned that uh, the investigations were in progress. Uh, we 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 get the report that says uh, the the there is no finality uh, on those matters. I think 
I don't take it lightly, Minister, and uh, I think you must have a, a word with SecDef, and please get him to uh, finalize these matters. We, we can't, we, we will not, will not let them, or will not let the department off the hook on, on these matters, because the department made the undertaking, undertaking that there will be investigations. Now today, when we ask for uh, reports on the investigations, we are told that uh, uh, the matters are still um, uh, the, the 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 investigations are still in progress. Minister, you may want to make a comment on this one uh, before we close. Uh, I, I don't. I take it in a uh, I, in a very in, you know. Uh, I don't take it lightly that we are getting this report. Over to you, Minister. No, Chair, you are correct, and honourable members, you are correct. I think that because you are right. On the, on the 31st of March 2019, when I made the point, it was because I already had information that the investigations, different investigations had started. And therefore, if, if right now that report is not, is not readily available, it can only be that what the SECDEF right now needs to do is to pull everything together so that we can come and make that presentation to you. Thanks. So I, I want to make an undertaking, Chair, that uh, together with the Minister, through the COD, very soon in the Council on Defence, will request that they table the report. And having tabled that report, even if there are some elements of the report which are incomplete, but those have been because it's not as though everything has not been done there are different investigations though that which has been completed will be brought to the attention of the committee and i want to sincerely apologize for the thank, thank you so much uh, colleagues uh, any comment on this before i close the matter uh, it does not look like you can take it any further yes sir what is that yes sir Okay, Honourable Mutle. Thanks, Chair. Uh, I, I get the point that you are raising in terms of the readiness of the report from uh, the SECDEF. Uh, but I think uh, it will not be fair on the Portfolio Committee to just uh, accept uh, the reasoning uh, as uh, alluded to say they are not ready without them indicating to us when will they be ready so that we can schedule ours knowing that they must at least give us a commitment to say they will be ready by when so that we know you know in the back of our mind that we'll be dealing with this matter in that particular time thank you thank you so much mr Murray. Thank you very much. I uh, want to support you wholeheartedly in that. And I want to say that, um, I mean, it's our job to do oversight and make sure that the department delivers on their commitment. Now, um, obviously, the, the Secretary of Defence and the Minister must take us um, in a constructive light. But this is our job. And I don't want to go back to the previous point. When there are commitments to be made, there are commitments to be made. If we expect from our soldiers to be disciplined, we expect from our 
our officials to be disciplined as well. And there's no ways that we can uh, that we can allow this. And and the Secretary of Defence know from the past, uh, and I can tell him that that this that this chairperson and this portfolio committee of the sixth Parliament is is most certainly much stringer and and, and stricter than the previous one. So. Uh, so I support you fully in that, and, uh, and and it shouldn't be that we are asking for this. It's a year. It should have been here long time ago, probably middle of last year. We should have had it a lot already. Thank you very much. Thank, thank, thank you so much, uh, colleagues, uh, uh, for for those comments, Minister. Um, I'm, 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 I will ask you just to will uh, a month be sufficient uh, in this respect, uh, so that we, we we close it this with a, a time with a, a, a with timelines. You may want to consult, uh, but. Uh, just you know, you know, I'm really sorry. Let me not commit and say a month because the reality is that this whole COVID thing has disorganized everything, everybody. So uh, please allow us to consult and then indicate to you. For now, it's chaotic, really, the situation. I mean, even some of the support staff, the PCEPs, for instance, have not necessarily started working. Some of them we expect back on the first, and, and these are some of the people who are doing this work. So I'm just saying, please give us time, but we'll come back to you just to indicate when Chairperson. Thank okay. you. Minister, what I would do, um, I will put it on the agenda, in, on the agenda of a meeting in a month's time. Uh, we'll expect you just to give us the progress report. Like you said, uh, they, because they they deal with various uh, items and uh, and various values, they may be at different uh, stages of, of, of completion. Some may be ready for delivery as we speak. So we'll take that report when we meet in a month's time. Are you happy with that progress report? Happy to. Thank you. thank you so much, Minister. We'll do that. Thanks. All right, colleagues, thank you very much. Uh, let's quickly move now to the last item on the agenda. It's our DMV report um, uh, that we must present uh, uh, in Parliament in, in the next uh, few days. But we have been given until the end of this month to finalize the, all the reports on our straight plans, plans and the budget. Now, having said that, uh, can I quickly ask you, uh, colleague uh, uh, Peter Daniels, you'll be leading yes. us on this report. But just please focus on the observations uh, as well as the, the conclusions, um, uh, as it were. You may want to reflect on the recommendations, no, no, the observations and recommendations for, for this current budget. You may want to reflect on the recommendations for the last uh, uh, financial year. Uh, I don't know, but I leave that to you. But I will make it my own comment uh, regardless uh, after your presentation. Uh, over to you, sir. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, I'll just upload. Chair. Yes, sir. Chair, my, my, my apology before the presenter uh, takes the floor. Yes, I wanted to find out whether uh, it is the expectation that we should sit still through the presentation of this report because uh, it is a report it's about a, us, 
that the committee is preparing to parliament. And uh, obviously, I did not expect the committee to allow us to be party to the discussions of the report. Um, Yes, let me just hear what other members have to say on this. Uh, You caught me uh, with my pants down, uh, uh, DM. Uh, Colleagues? I'm sorry, Chair. I'm sorry. Yes. Maybe, maybe. Maybe, maybe, Chair, we must ask the Minister and the DM to just, uh, 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 not listening in, but let they attend to that. Um, no, I'm just joking. It's probably okay. not of, of any uh, uh, sense to them or value to them. But, but right, so we can release them, colleagues. There is no objection to it. Right. It doesn't look like, like there's no objection. Certainly we release the, 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 the DOD because the report pertains to DMV. Right. And the, that's the first category we are releasing. And the, then the second category is the minister uh, and, the, and, and the DM. Right. Uh, minister, you, you, you may sit in, but you, if you have to leave, we'll understand uh, because we're now dealing with uh, just a committee report. So in other words, you are not obligated to sit in, just the two of you. But uh, the other colleagues at the back of, uh, uh, on, on your left, hand of the left and right hand side may actually be released so that we don't keep them hostage when we deal with I thought you started with us when uh, the deputy minister uh, raised a matter of whether we should be here or not. And I thought you started by saying we should be released, uh, which would have welcome. All right. Okay, sure. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Colleagues, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm releasing the first uh, category, that's the defense uh, team. And I'm also uh, releasing uh, the minister. But still invite them to sit in if they wish to sit in. But I know that they have other pressing matters to attend to. And uh, should you leave, Minister, should you leave, DM will understand. All right, let's, let, let me leave it at that for now and then move to the report. Thank you, Chair. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much, Minister. <laughs> All right. Chairperson, thank you very much. We leave him, but you make us feel guilty. No, 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 no. I'm releasing you. I'm releasing you. I'm releasing you. I'm releasing you, DM. Thank you, Chair, and thank you for that. Okay, sure. All right. Thanks. Uh, Over to you, Peter. Okay. uh, Thank you, Chair. Um, Is the report uh, visible? Yes, it is visible from my side. On my Uh, side. Starting there, uh, point number eight, committee observations. Um, Chair, um, you will know that some of the uh, observations have been empty because um, we had about three sets of inputs. Um, that was from the meeting of the 15th of May and the meeting of last Friday, the 22nd. And then we also had the responses to the list of questions that we submitted uh, to, to, the, to, the, to the department. Chair, if one looks at the, the first um, observation, and that is basically about the internal measures that the department has taken in order to combat the pandemic. And there they just um, state that they've done various things 
like fumigating the offices, the headquarters, the office carpets. They started a procurement process for the PPEs for the employ employees. They conducted fever screening. They created a DMV resilience and coronavirus email address for employees. They instituted a travel ban. And there's various things that they've done, Chair. Um, important to know there, um, they've also then uh, in the written responses indicated that they've also uh, placed in, put in place a suggestion box and they had also various presentations by experts. They discontinued the use of a turnstile. They also had temperature testing kits available at the entrances. And as of 22nd of May, they've spent around half a million rand on these internal items. The second observation chair was basically the kind of measures that the department has taken to assist uh, military veterans and their dependents. And I think this is very important and a lot of other departments will also similarly respond. Um, and the department has indicated they have, uh, the budget is being reprioritized, but the following risk still needs to be addressed. Our department will assist the provincial officers what are the department's responsibility to protect military veterans against the infection? And then the written responses um, states there that there was a task team that's actually going to identify and assess the risks. And the CFO will then also determine the funding for the measures proposed. And they've also developed an internal and external communication plan. Important for us here is that they've also lies with the Department of Social Development towards the elevation of hunger, to the issuing of food parcels, and then also the granting of the SRD, the Special Relief Distress Assistance for six months. In line with what the Castle Controls Board also did, um, they are also assisting the military veterans to access the 350 unemployment grant. And then the department also has another initiative there, and that is that they will top up this 350 unemployment grant with 850 from the DMV for the military veterans. The next issue relates to the amendments to the Military Veterans Act. Um, and we've been concerned about that because it hasn't been coming on for the last five years. And we wanted to know when will they actually introduce the amendment bill to parliament. The written responses indicated there are basically three options that they've developed. Um, to address the lacunas um, that have been identified. And then they told us there that it's actually a lengthy process to, you know, go through an amendment bill process, which we are quite aware of. Um, and the last thing they say there is that the projected prime frame is that it will be presented to Parliament in the 21-22 financial year. The fourth one is with regards to the policy. Um, and there we, we raised the issue that Many of the policies are not finalized, some are being revised, and we wanted to know what is the latest in this regard. They've indicated that the policies with regards to housing, education, skills and development training, the bureau policies are being revised, while the pension and the public transport policies are being finalized. And those other policies there, the heritage mobilization and honor, counseling and treatment, Compensation for injury and trauma disease and the healthcare policies are in draft format and need to be finalized. And then the new policies that are being dealt with is the pension policies, the subsidized public transport policy, the business empowerment and support policy, as well as the beneficiary support services. 
Members also wanted to know how readily accessible the three military hospitals and the sick base are for military veterans, especially those requiring medical support against the background of the pandemic. They said that they are working there with the DOD and they are also utilizing the SANDS national footprint and that they are guided by the African military health services as to how to manage the situation. Um, and they are also using the post office and the outbase to deliver the chronic medicine to military veterans as soon as possible. The next one deals with the delivery of houses. And there we ask the question whether, why is some of the, the SLAs, the service delivery agreements not signed between the department and the provinces? And we want to know uh, what were the reasons there for. The next one, sir, number seven, the committee noted the department is trying to roll out the public transport benefit since the exception. They indicated that this main challenge is basically due to capacity problems within the department. And there they said they've since, and that's from 2019-20 financial year, they've been consulting with the Department of Transport as the custodians of public transport in the country to partner in order to ensure the benefit is delivered to military veterans. And the target is to complete this in the next financial year. They further plan to pilot a rollout of 200 public transport beneficiaries per provinces, namely Gauteng, KwaZulu-Natal, and Western Cape. There is now the target of 600 that they have for this financial year. They are saying these areas are well suited for pilot process due to the metropolitan infrastructure, and they are confident they will achieve this target. The next one, Chair, relates to the target of the number of military veterans provided with employment opportunities. That's now PPI 305. Um, where the committee asked question then, what is this about? What does it entail? Who are the beneficiaries? And how the target of 20 employment opportunities was actually determined? They said that this is a new target for this financial year, and that they are basically in consultation with the relevant stakeholders but they've actually indicated, that's now the stakeholders, that they would prefer military veterans and not dependents as they actually score higher under triple B, triple E criteria when they hire military veterans. Number nine, they, was all, they were also asked to provide an update on the case involving ZLL, was instituted at a claim of 198 million rand. And they've said there that the matter is under roll for hearing under nine and 10 of June of this year in the Pretoria High Court, and the rest of arguments are being finalized. The next one is a very critical one for us, and that is the finalization of the national database. And we reminded them of the deadline we set for them in the meeting of the PC. I think that was 11 September 2019. They were actually supposed to come back to us at the end of the year to tell us that they've actually cleaned up the database. Um, they've indicated to us that they've now been liaising uh, with the Department of Home Affairs to compare the database and also compare their database with that of the human resources uh, section in the Department of Defense. The, the database will also be separated to reflect active and inactive beneficiaries and further categorization of the database such as disease and former force categories is also being conducted. Number 11. It's about the uh, skills uh, audit recommendations, and we wanted to know how far they are with the implementation thereof. Um, and there they responded that they've only received the psychometric results from a service provider, 
and they have prepared an action plan to implement the available assessment results after a registered psychologist has provided guidance. This is now to avoid legal implication. But the Deputy Minister has subsequently refuted, partly refuted, this response and requested the Department to provide the committee with the correct information in this regard. Number 12, regarding the educational support benefit, the committee inquired about the standardization of this benefit to public schools and higher education institutions, as opposed to private institutions that are not only more expensive, but where fewer beneficiaries can be assisted. The department agreed with this, that the private institutions of learning are more expensive and are planning to deal with this through a revised education policy. And they stated that currently they are supporting both the public and private institutions. Number 13, the committee inquired about the proposed change management strategy to assist them to turn the department around. This is especially given the historical underperformance and underspending of the department. And the committee felt that without the implementation of this strategy, the department will not be able to perform effectively and efficiently. In addition, the Deputy Minister stressed that one of the challenges is the poor consequence management, an issue that was raised by the Order General as well. The Order General indicated that it could not obtain sufficient, appropriate audit evidence that disciplinary steps were taken against officials who had incurred irregular as well as fruitless and wasteful expenditure. Number 14, the committee stated that the current situation is not ideal and that a number of targets have not been met. It believes that until the systemic issues are addressed, such as the organizational structure and the vacancies in strategic posts, the department is unlikely to improve its performance. It was further stressed that it's regretful that the minister and the deputy minister could not attend the meeting of the 15th May of 2020 as requested and some of the issues could only be responded to adequately by the executive authority. The deputy minister subsequently reported to the committee that he has since been delegated certain dedicated responsibilities from April 2020, which includes facilitating a creditable uh, database and finalizing the organizational structure. Number 15, the committee wanted to know about the functioning of the appeals board, its members, how often it sits, how many and the kind of appeals it's receiving. Second last one, the committee inquired about the skills training of military veterans and especially how the department is promoting these skills to ensure the subsequent placement of military veterans. The department indicated that the government is piloting issues such as township in economy and decay economy, where focus is placed on benefiting historically disadvantaged communities. The department indicated they are liaising with such initiatives to ensure that military veterans also benefit from such initiatives. The last one there, stating that the deliberation history is important, especially for future generations, and the committee wanted to know how the department plans to promote this awareness as part of sub-program for heritage, memorials, burials, and honors of program four. So the next one is basically the recommendations. And the first one there, um, basically same sequence as the observations, the first one there is that the committee commended the department on the internal measures taken to combat the spread of the pandemic and, and encourage it to further enhance and follow through on these efforts. The second one, the department indicated that the total budget impact for internal and external measures will be included in the special adjustment budget, where guidelines have recently been published by National Treasury. 
while welcoming these measures to assist military veterans and independents. The committee recommended that the department develop and finalize the reparation as soon as possible in order to support the military veterans community and give feedback to the committee on this aspect. Number three, the committee states that it's quite familiar with the process to amend an act and once again queried the timelines given that this process has first been mooted five years ago. The committee therefore strongly encouraged the department to speed up these processes as the amendments will assist to streamline the service delivery processes of the department. Number four, the committee was not impressed that certain policies are in draft format while others are new, but that these benefits have been delivered and questioned how such a situation can be justified. However, given the importance of the policies to deliver, the committee recommended that these processes should be speeded up and the department should report on a quarterly basis on the status of these policies. Number five, the committee welcomed the response regarding the military access to military hospitals in sixth place and directed that the department should continuously ensure that military veterans have such access and that challenges in this regard should be dealt with expeditiously. Number six, the committee indicated they co-manage the delivery of houses through the National Department of Human Settlement and that this, not, this does not require service level agreement with provinces. Given the underperformance of the department in delivering houses, the committee recommended that the department update it on a quarterly basis under progress to meet this year's target of 710 and to form it timelessly of challenges in this regard. Number seven, the committee strongly emphasized that the department should enhance its efforts to make subsidized public transport available to military veterans as soon as possible, as many are indigent, rural-based, and access to subsidized public transport will not only evaluate the plight, but also facilitate improved access to benefits and services. The committee therefore recommended that the department should update it on the progress in this regard on a quarterly basis. The committee wants specific feedback on the target of employment opportunities for military veterans at the quarterly meetings, as employment opportunities make military veterans less reliant on the department. Number nine, Regarding the ZLL claim against the department, the committee stressed that since this matter has been coming on since at least 2016, it wants the department to update it on this matter on a regular basis until this case is resolved. Number 10, the committee took note of the slow progress to have a credible database and reminded the department that they had to provide feedback in this regard at the next quarterly meeting. The committee recommended once again that more efforts should be put into verifying and cleaning the database, given its centrality for planning and budgeting. Number 11, implementation, implementation of the skills order recommendation is an issue that is viewed as crucial to the committee and was taken aback that incorrect information has been provided to it in this regard. The committee therefore insists that the department at its net meeting provide it with the correct information as also proposed by a deputy minister. Number 12, the committee recommended the department should give it feedback on the revised education policy and whether it has encountered any challenge in this regard, as well as the budget allocation for these institutions at the next quarterly meeting. Number 13, the committee recommended that it receive continuous briefing on the progress 
with the implementation of the change management strategy. The committee further recommended that is if necessary or if the necessary skills to drive the change management is not resident in the department, they should approach the Department of Public Service Administration or the Public Service Commission to assist them with the technical skills. In addition, the committee wants the department to brief it regularly on its consequent management efforts with the deputy minister in attendance. The next one, the minister responded to some of the systemic issues such as the organizational structure, filling of leadership vacancies and change management. He agreed that he should be kept to his delegated responsibilities and that these should be made available to the committee. The committee does recommend that the deputy minister periodically update the committee on these issues. Number 15, the committee indicated that the appeals board has been in place for five years and it is currently chaired by Mr. Mavuso Misimam. The committee recommended that the meeting with the appeals board should be scheduled as soon as possible to address its concerns. Second last one, the committee encouraged the department to enhance its efforts to place military veterans who have completed their skills development training and to ensure that it lies with other government departments regarding initiatives that can benefit military veterans and their dependents. The last one, the committee agreed on the importance of the liberation history and stated that it prioritizes this whenever the opportunity arises. The committee commended the department on this and encouraged it to further enhance this noteworthy endeavor. Chair, that's it. Colleagues, Brian, may you just check if we can get uh, 10 more minutes uh, uh, in the meantime. Uh, colleagues, you may comment on the report. It's now 6 o'clock. Comments, uh, colleagues? Chairperson, it's Dennis Ryder here, if I may. Yes, yes Honourable Ryder. Thank you very much. Uh, Chair, yes, thank you very much. I think it, it, the report is a fair reflection of, of, of what was discussed. The um, the one issue I have relates specifically to, to recommendation number 11, uh, where it talks about that um, um, uh, subterfuge that happened in the meeting about the uh, uh, wasteful expenditure that happened and, and, and the fact that it wasn't highlighted correctly and so on. Um, I think that our um, our recommendation in that regard uh, in the report is quite weak. Uh, and, and I think, well, I certainly remember I stated that I think that uh, disciplinary action needs to be pursued um, for people who've been misleading Parliament. You said number 11. Um, can you move to number 11? So can you move to number 11, uh, Brian? Sorry, uh, uh, Peter. It's a recommendation or observation? It's recommendation 11. Recommendation 11. Uh, right. Yup, yup, yup. Uh, we don't see it there. You, you, I think you have added something to change the numbers, uh, Peter. 
Um, have you not? All right, just just make a note. A note. I will, I will, I will, let me just take a note. I'll I'll go back to the report, uh, Mr. Ryder. Is it? Thank you, Chair. Yeah, just to say, we need to strengthen that. There needs to be some follow-up if people have misled Parliament uh, willfully um, and trying to hide uh, wasteful expenditure. And I think there's so a problem. On the, on the audit skills, yes, yes, that's that's on the audit skills. Yeah, on the audit skills where the minister says uh, they misled yes, Parliament. Yes, correct. Oh yes. Correct, Chairperson. Yes. And we need to be punch a bit. Okay. Yeah, I think we need to be a little bit more than, than just note, and, and, and so they must come and, and please explain next time. I think they, they, there needs to be some consequences. Yeah. Okay. Any other? I will, will affect that. Uh, can I just make this observation, uh, Peter? You just go to observation uh, 14. Observation 14. Uh, observation for oh yes, um, from the word uh, it was further stressed. I think it's middle it's middle of the paragraph. I'll I'll suggest that we change it to this, but um, if the meeting agrees, we'll then work on it ourselves. That it was further stressed with regret that neither the minister nor the DM could attend the meeting of the 15th May, as some issues con could only be responded to adequately by the EA. In other words, it's just a, a reformulation. We're not changing anything, right? And then we, we delete uh, the, 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 and, and then we note the deputy minister subsequently reported to the committee. Let's note that, let's note that uh, some functions pertaining to the DMV have been delegated to the minister. All right, we just note that. Uh, in our report. Colleagues, do you agree with that? Doesn't change anything, doesn't change much. All right. No objection. Any other colleagues? I'm in agreement, Chair. <laughs> Was it you? I'm in agreement, don't stress. <laughs> okay. No, no, thank you so much. Colleagues, uh, it doesn't look like there is any major issue on the report. Uh, can I move it for adoption, colleagues? Mark, uh, ANC? What, what about you? Colleagues, uh, just that I don't, I, I'm unable to see people. Uh, ANC, agreed? Just want to get an indication. Agreed. Uh, DA, agreed? Okay, let me put it this way. Is there any objection to accepting the report? No, no, no. sir. We can, we can support the report. No objection. With, with those amendments. Okay. Thank so colleagues, you. thank you very much for your time. It was a fruitful meeting. I promise that we'll have another meeting where we enter, we dissect the issues on the on the force rejuvenation and the, and the HR plan. They are very critical. If we fail on that, we fail on our responsibilities as a portfolio committee. I want to end it on that note. Colleagues, thank you very much. Thank you very thank much, you. sir. That's very important. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you, sir. Thank you. Thank you.
Okay, bye. Thank you.